Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Asian Americans. This is your host, Jerry Wan, and it is Wednesday, June 3rd. Uh, we took a pause yesterday, and we took a pause over the weekend, um, giving a lot of thoughts and just thinking about how we can be better allies for Black Lives Matter, for our Black brothers and sisters who have been suffering for way too long. And it is our duty and our right and our honor to fight alongside them. I want to share a conversation today. It won't be an interview with one person, but rather it is a conversation that we had on Sunday with five amazing human beings. Min Lei, who's a children's author, Sarah Park Dolan, a professor of children's literature, Jaron Kim, another professor from Washington, Sujin Tate, who is a scholar on adoption, and Jad Kim, who is in the graphics field and a native of Los Angeles. We got together on Sunday to discuss how we as Asian Americans from Los Angeles, from the Twin Cities area, can be better allies and to get a better understanding of what was happening. And even though we recorded the show only three days ago, so much has happened since then. Many peaceful protests, many unfortunate incidents of looting and rioting, and many conversations about how we can be better. So I hope that this conversation brings you a little bit of perspective. It taught me a lot. Maybe it teaches you a little bit of something. And share with us on Instagram, on Facebook. You can reach out to me personally. Please share with me on ways that we can improve. Please share with me people who I should talk to, to have on the show. I do want to dedicate the next few episodes to talking about race in America, to talking about how we as Asian Americans need to stop participating in anti-blackness, how we as Asian Americans need to stop staying silent when we see these things. It is not a singular issue for a group of people. It is an issue that affects us all. We are only here because of the work of civil rights activists. We have the rights that we have because of the work of our black brothers and sisters. It is not an us against them. It is about us working together to make sure that we can create a future for our children that we can be truly, truly proud of. So again, thank you so much. If you found this very recently, welcome. If you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so much. We're in this together. We're going to keep talking about it until we see the changes that we need to see. I hope you enjoy this conversation with all of our guests. And so here's my conversation with them from Sunday. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Um, we're at the end of May. It's May 31st. An interesting week here in America. Um, it's an interesting to wrap up um, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. It's been a weird 2020. Um, but, uh, you know, we wanted to take this time to spend some time in conversation um, along with some friends of ours, um, many from the Twin Cities or have uh, relationships with a lot of people in the Twin Cities, many of us in the Asian American community space. Um, I, I do want to say a few things before we get started. Um, first of all, thank you for making the time. I know everybody is busy um, and dealing with a lot of emotional and mental things as we all are uh, trying to process what's going on. And as we speak right now, um, parts of our cities are getting looted and parts of our cities are getting burned. So um, I do want to uh, thank you for that. My name is Jerry Wong. I'm the host of the show, The Asian Americans. And um, Sarah, uh, who I've known for 20 years and has been on a guest on the show, um, messaged me about 30 hours ago and said, we need to do something. Can you put something together? And so um, I said, 
I've got the streaming stuff. Can you get some friends? And we put all this together um, in about a day. So I just want to say something for myself personally before we go. Um, we are just six voices here, um, six individual, unique Asian-American voices. Uh, we do not speak for all of Asian America, and we certainly do not speak for Black friends, Black people, or Black Lives Matter. But what we want to do is speak up for them because it's about time. And I know we keep saying that, but we need to use our platforms that we've built, leverage our friends, talk to our parents, for God's sakes, and, and do something. Um, so we wanted to create this space for those of us who care um, enough to invest this time. Um, and so without further ado, um, Sarah, thank you again for um, spearheading this, for allowing us to create this space. And uh, um, tell us a little bit about you and introduce to the rest of our, our wonderful panelists today. Okay, great. Thanks, Jerry. And thanks so much for, um, yeah, just getting this together, like you said, in the last 30 hours. Uh, my name is Sarah Park Dolan. I'm an associate professor at St. Catherine University in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. I've been there for 11 years. And when I first moved here um, in 2009, uh, Jaron was one of my I had known Jaron beforehand, and she was um, living in Powderhorn at the time. And uh, she invited me to her neighborhood, along with a bunch of other friends, for a weekly potluck. And so I spent a lot of time in the neighborhood along Lake Street. Um, and I also lived just north of Lake Street um, on the St. Paul side of the river. So, um, yeah, this is this is now home, even though I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, Minnesota has been home, has become home, and. Um, and so I'm just really thankful for my friends who are here um, to, to talk about why Asian Americans should care about Black Lives Matter. So, um, yeah, Jaron, since I said your name, maybe if you want to introduce yourself and then we could just go around. Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Jaron Kim. I am uh, an assistant professor in the School of Social Work and Criminal Justice at University of Washington, Tacoma. And um, as Sarah said, uh, I lived in the Powderhorn, Powderhorn Park neighborhood for 12 years. And I've been out here in Washington State for five years. Um, I came out for the job. Um, but Powderhorn really is, uh, I feel like it's my heart. It's my neighborhood. When I think about the place that I would call home, I, I grew up in the suburbs of the Twin Cities. Um, I am a transracial adoptee, so I was adopted from Korea. And I didn't really um, have much exposure to the cities until I became an adult. And I chose to live in Minneapolis and specifically in Powderhorn Park for its diversity, its racial diversity and its socioeconomic diversity. Um, and um, so I really miss it all the time. I, I talk all the time to my new colleagues out here in Washington, how much I miss my neighborhood and the community that I had there. So I am really thankful that you invited me to be part of this conversation. Um, I teach a class right now, actually. I mean, we're doing it online, so it's really tough, but I'm teaching a bachelor level social work course in diversity and social justice. And so you can imagine that all of this that is happening right now, we are having these conversations. It's very difficult to do when it's an online course, um, but we are, we are attempting to do this. And um, we talk a lot about the importance for um, thinking about horizontal as well as lateral oppression. And so I, I think this is a great conversation that we should be having. Great, thank you. Sujan, would you like to introduce yourself? 
Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Sujin Pate, and I am a former professor of race and ethnic studies, um, and I am also a um, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, consultant. And um, I am living about five blocks from kind of um, the epicenter of where everything's been going on. I live in Uptown, um, and yeah, there's a lot happening right now. So, um, and I've been living in this neighborhood for about 20 years. Um, and like Jaron um, mentioned, the reason why I chose this neighborhood is for its racial diversity um, and it's it's um, the the uptown is is always has been known historically for being um, the a quite progressive liberal area of the Twin Cities and so um, so it really is important for me to be around people who share the same politics and values and um, so that's why I've made uptown my home. My name is Jed Kim. I'm a creative working here in Los Angeles, and I'm one of the founders of an interactive agency called Trigger, uh, based out of West LA. But I think more pertinent to the discussion here is I do live in downtown LA, where we are having uh, quite a bit of unrest, uh, parallel in a lot of cities uh, around the country as well. And uh, it's also a very vivid reminder of uh, 1992 here in Los Angeles, where, of course, we had a massive uprising uh, sparked by the acquittal of the police officers who were caught on tape beating uh, Rodney King. So. Uh, as we see the National Guard uh, deployed our streets and actual Humvees rolling up and down the streets, it does definitely bring back a lot of memories of 1992, uh, a lot of uh, unwelcome memories and painful memories. And uh, if everyone remembers from their history lessons, that was definitely an event that the Korean American community had a, had a front seat for and direct participation in. So uh, anything that we need to talk about today, uh, paralleling those events in 92 to what we see happening now, more than happy to share and, and discuss and, and help uh, uh, bring back some of those pictures. Thanks, Chad. Min. Okay. Um, hi, yeah, my name is Min Lei. I'm a children's book author. Um, I just wanted to thank Jerry and Sarah for pulling this together on such short notice. It's such a, an essential conversation to have and one that I've been having on my, on my end as well. And it's so hard to figure out the, the right way to interact and engage. And it's so important that we're vocal on this and it's also important to make sure that we're vocal in the, the appropriate ways. So I'm really excited to like get on here with you all and kind of like talk about that and kind of figure things out. Um, for for me as a as a children's book author, it's I'm always focused on on children and writing stories that hopefully kind of like capture the imagination and like celebrate people's humanity and there's nothing that feels um more of a failure of the imagination than the racism that we're seeing that kind of strips people of their humanity. And I think that for us as Asian Americans, realizing where we fit in within the structure and being there to support um, the Black community is of the utmost importance, whether that's talking to our families or being part of like, staying up within the community or online. Um, so I really appreciate you having this conversation. Okay, thank you so much. Um, and I, before we have our um, start our discussion amongst the six of us, I wanted to take this moment to thank Min for donating um, a set of books. So Min has published five books so far. And hold on, my my daughter took one of them, so it's way over here. But these are two of them, Drawn Together and Let Me Finish, if you've seen them, as well as Green Lantern Legacy, his first graphic novel. And he has two new picture books. And Min has generously donated, there we go, 
Min has generously donated um, autographed uh, one autographed book um, for a total of five books. And the first person to donate $250 to We Love Lake Street and email me a screenshot of your donation, um, readingspark at gmail.com. Um, Min will send this full set of five books to them. Jean Luen Yang, who is um, a, also a good friend of ours, and he has connections to the Twin Cities. He is one of the professors at Hamlin's um, MFAC program. He has also generously donated one copy of Dragon Hoops, one copy of American Born Chinese, and three copies of Superman Smashes the Clan. So we're starting the auction for his books at $50 each. So this is not a set, but one one book each for a total of five books. So if you want to screenshot your donation to We Love Lake Street, $250 for men's books or $50 for Jean's books, and then tell me in the email which one you would like, um, readingspark at gmail.com. So, um, well, and of course, you are welcome. Oh, well, I was wondering that if you need an extra incentive, my family will match the $250 donation. If you if you make it so so thank you in advance and um and that's yeah, right we're in a great cause that's right that's right thank you so much um yeah but if we could just start with um and we want this to be very much like just a really easy conversation so not that I'm encouraging us to in interrupt each other but like let's like really just like this is not just me asking questions, um, but like if you want to interject at some point, then please feel free to do that. But I thought since Jaron has lived so long in Powderhorn and Sujin is there now, if we could start with you two, kind of sharing like Sujin, what you see now, and then Jaron, like what you love so much about the community or anything else you want to share. Sure, yeah. So um, as I, I don't know if you all are aware, but um, given the, um, the days of, of rioting and um, that's been taking place in the evening, the governor and the mayors have uh, um, implemented a curfew. And so last night, um, the yeah, it was an 8, 8 p.m. curfew to help distinguish um, the protesters from the actual people that are causing violence and damage to property and to lives um, and and basically inspiring you know domestic terrorism. And so the word on the street was that there is this um, this faction of folks from out out um, out of Minnesota, outside of Minnesota coming in and trying to, uh, usurp and hijack the protesting and, and the movement, um, the, the very valid concerns, you know, that are bringing folks out into the streets, protesting the murder of George Floyd, um, and instead trying to um, shift the focus on the rioting and the looting. And this is, um, so, so because of that, um, uh, they were saying that they were planning to start small fires all around the cities to overwhelm the fire um, department. And so my partner and I, we were holding vigil all night. And also I was in communication with all the folks in my neighborhood as we have our ears and, and, and eyes out um, listening and making sure that like there aren't any fires being started, um, that no one's getting hurt. And so um, last night uh, we saw two cars a white suv and a black um sports car we heard them we i live right on hennepin avenue right on the corner of hennepin avenue and 35th street and so um 
so it's this is like the main main artery of uptown and um that connects to lake street and um we heard them plotting <laughs> um yelling to each other plotting like hey follow me like we're gonna go this way and um so we caught that the license plate um uh, they were from texas and also from wisconsin based on the license plates and um throughout the night um, I was receiving, I, I let my network know, my friends know um, of like who are in the area and come to find out um, we, I heard maybe a, a, an hour later, I heard like a series of maybe 10 to 12 gunshots. Um, and later on, I found out that that took place at Spy House Ca um, Coffee House, which is located mm -hmm. um, on Nicollet Avenue. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then um, they had moved to, um, uh, Cup Foods, which is where George Floyd was murdered. They then moved to Pimento and then to Global Midtown or yeah, Midtown Global mm. Market, which is right on um, on Lake Street, and where all, a lot of this is happening, and where the majority of the people that are living in this neighborhood are brown and black folks. And so you you have to think about when you see the this narrative that is being promoted by local and and national media about all these people that are looting and it's a lot of brown and black faces but but you have to understand who paved the way for this destruction who who paved that way and it was these these factions that are main mainly composed of white folks that are coming and infiltrating not from minneapolis not a part of this community and trying to usurp the narrative and make black folks black and brown folks look bad and um make the um the the protesting and the movement the the very just movement that we're fighting for um to delegitimize de it and so mm -hmm. um it's really important that um you know, un unfortunately, not much of that part is being covered. And so that's why I'm trying to use this, this, you know, platform to help spread the word about what's really happening on the ground. Um, so yeah, that's it's, uh, we're up till like three thirty, four o'clock at night, just wait until the gunshots started to die down and, um, and then finally went to bed. But we're the a curfew has been set again for tonight. And so we'll be holding vigil again and making sure that our neighborhood and, and, um, you know, our, our friends and family are, are safe. Yeah, so one of the things that I posted on my Facebook just to kind of confirm and verify what Sujin is saying. So my son is at um, college at Augsburg um, College in Minneapolis, just another couple of miles, like it's about a mile to the Lake Street area from where he was staying in the dorms and they evacuated everybody that was there. So early this morning, my husband got on a flight from Seattle to Minneapolis uh, to go retrieve my son and bring him out to Washington with us. And on the plane were um, white, uh, white national nationalist supremacist militants who were on their way to Minneapolis on the same flight with my husband. I'm talking about, um, you know, he texted me and said, it's really shady. There's a whole bunch of white men here talking as if they're going to uh, take part in this. So it's happening. People are coming from out of state, you know, um, to, to, um, to stir up and agitate. And so, yeah. Uh, it, it's it may not be reported uh, like Sujin was saying, but it's happening. 
And also I just want to say like my friends are posting pictures of like what Sujin was saying too, of um, their neighborhood organizing and they're standing around people's houses and standing in front of businesses and protecting their neighborhoods um, because the police are, and the firefighters are so busy trying to put out all these fires around the city that the neighborhoods aren't being protected. And so when my friends are texting me saying, we're seeing heavily armed militia, white militia, uh, walking down the street, um, you know, the police aren't there. Yes, and, and I wanna add that um, there were KKK that were cited in North Minneapolis, um, mm -hmm. as well in South Minneapolis and Powderhorn. So, and St. Paul too. Yep, and yeah. St. Paul too. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not even afraid anymore to come no. out of public. Well, because I, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the, the, the National Guard and the police, the bulk of those, those forces are at the are trying to just break up the protesters that is not where that's not where the energy you know should yeah. be it's it's yeah. they should be working to get intelligence on you know i i just think about i was telling a friend the other day if this was al-qaeda you know the cia would be all over this and working diligently to try to figure out like, you know, what's their strategy, how they're networking, how they're communicating, what's their plan. But no, that's not the focus. The focus is on breaking up the, the protesters who are peaceful, who are sitting on the ground because, but they're quote unquote criminals because they're breaking curfew. And instead we have actual criminals with automatic rifles driving through the streets. Um, and you know, basically getting away with it because that's not where the um, National Guard and the po police are. They're not focused on that. Yeah, it's, I just, I just don't even have the words to all the misinformation that is being spread, all the language, um, you know, we know that words matter. We know like, you know, men, you write, children's books with such few words on each page like each each word matters and Judd you create images that go out into the world and each image can communicate so much and when I see people using phrases or words like root, root, uh, rioting and looting instead mm -hmm. of protesting it's yeah. you know that 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 muddles the message too right about what's going on in it and, and as Sujin was saying, like all these people who are coming in and it's not all like people from outside, right? Like we've heard mixed reports about whether they are from Minneapolis or the outer ring suburbs, inner and outer ring suburbs, we know that white supremacists live among us. Yes. So yeah. to some yeah. extent, like does it, to what extent does it matter? Like where these people are coming from when we know that they live among us anyway, they're already our neighbors, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thank you so much for sharing like what you're what you're going through. And thank you so much also just for being here despite not getting much sleep last night and, and anticipating another night of not getting much sleep. Um, if like all of us could talk a little bit. Oh yeah, go ahead. I just had a quick question. Um, do either of you have any recommendations for good resources for getting kind of like straight information about what's going on there? Um, NPR just recently uh, put out an article that I posted on my my Facebook um, page. So like, and, and they're the first. Um, well, them along with Vice, Vice also um, did did some reporting. Um, and have, are you familiar with Unicorn Riot? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that that's also seems to be because like they're really focused on get, raising community voices, um, and and hearing from folks on the on the street. So that, that's another um, uh, video, you know, uh, news source that I would yeah. recommend. Yeah, but you know what's okay. hard is like you know when when Mayor. Um, Melvin Carter, he's the mayor of St. Paul. When he announced today that, or earlier today or yesterday, that all the people they had arrested were from out of town. And then later it was revealed that he had received the wrong intelligence. So now we have like all these conflicting reports about where these people had come from. So it's really, it's really hard to know um, what the truth is when even the government officials are not receiving the right intelligence, right? And then we have to go back and like say, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, we messed up. This is not the right information. Um, but yeah, if, if we could talk specifically, you know, like we, we titled this Dear Asian Americans, like we're speaking specifically to our Asian American brothers and sisters, um, it, Dear Asian Americans, Black Lives Matter. Like, why are, why are you here? What, what do you want to share? You know, why does this matter to you? Why is it important to you? So if anyone wants to take that up. I'll go. Um, and Look, I, I, I think I came here in 92, January 11th, 92. And three and a half months at the age of eight, uh, the other riots happened in 1992. Mm-hmm. So it fundamentally shaped my view of black people as an eight-year-old immigrant kid who lived in Fullerton. And if you know Fullerton, there are not that many black people in Fullerton still today. And so I was raised to no fault of my parents or my community to think about a certain group of people purely based on what the news told us and how that news was then uh, internalized and spread within the Korean Christian community in North Orange County in the early 90s. Um, Really unfortunate thinking about it now. So I think we were raised and we all came to America under different circumstances and at different times. Um, you know, there was a recent article that was celebrating the fact that over a 10 or 20 year period that Asian Americans now have the largest or the highest jump in uh, registered voters. Well, that makes sense because we're still continuing to immigrate here and we are naturalizing at a faster rate than some of the other groups of folks. What, why I share that is that our collective Asian American voice is so fragmented and that we have to continue to talk about this. And I want to especially talk to people who might be listening who are newer to America. Maybe you're studying here. Um, maybe you moved here after 92. Maybe you moved here in the last five years. This is still your country. Every law, everything that happens impacts your life. So, I think when we talk to our parents or some of our some of my international student friends or people who are um, just existing and living in very, very Korean communities here in the States, they still view everything that happens in America as an America problem, as an America thing. And I am still Korean. I am still Asian. That is not true, guys. This impacts every single one of us. And if you don't have friends that look like Mr. Floyd, if you don't have friends that look like Mr. Arbery, go make some. Just and if you don't know how, call me. Call somebody. Because as we build those friendships, because that's what worked for me. I, I've been spending so much time the last few days just reaching out to friends just to see if they're okay. And that's the way we're gonna get through this. 
And again, I don't speak for anybody except myself, but I want to speak up for my friends who feel so voiceless and so helpless right now. So um, if you're watching this live right now on Sunday afternoon, if you're hearing the sound of my voice through the podcast or whatever it is, do what you can because everything matters. Speak to the people that need to hear this message that black life, black lives matter because everything is interconnected. Mm -hmm. If you, I mean, this is, we don't have much time for an entire history lesson, but our rights, our ability to vote, our ability to do so much things, we have to thank the black community. Mm -hmm. and, and so it is not an us against them. And it's not a collective us against any other groups of people. We are against hatred. We are against systemic racism. And that's what we want to burn down. Not our stores, not our communities. So um, that's what we want to do. And that's why we chose this nonprofit, this charity group that we love, Lake Street. It is a street that is full of minority and immigrant-owned small businesses mm -hmm. that were burned down. It impacts so many of people that look like us and people that look like our friends and their parents and their uncles. And so um, that's why we're encouraging people to donate. Um, they're already north of one point one and a quarter million dollars of fresh donations. And 100% of every dollar you donate will go into the hands of small business owners so that they can stand back up. They can open their doors again, continue to employ people and make American dreams come true for so many other people. So again, thank you for listening. And I just want to, yeah, I just want to interject and say that um, men's books have been snapped up by Trish. So <laughs> men, you have to pay up now. <laughs> yeah, but we do have someone who, yeah, we do have someone who um, donated for, yeah. So now Jean's books, um, we're still waiting for more donations to come in for Jean's books. But yeah, Jerry, I just want to echo what you said, because, you know, I grew up in Cerritos, which is not too far from Fullerton. And people joke about, you know, the Koreans who own small businesses in South Central but lived in the suburbs. And that's not just a joke. Like, that's my family, right? Like, we owned a grocery store in South Central. And I remember when I was 12 years old and the Los Angeles riots happened. And to see this happen again to another community that I love, in another community that I love, is really, really hard. And Judd, I don't, I mean, we lived on opposite sides of of Los Angeles, but I know that you were, you also grew up in that same time. And I don't know if you want to share anything about, yeah, just how it, and like why you're here today, like you live through that and you're here today supporting this, this conversation and Black Lives Matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that Jerry brought up uh, some really, really, really great points that I want to echo too. And number one is that, uh, Communities like Asian American communities can be very insular. You know, it can be very closed off on themselves. And, and like Jerry said, there can be a tendency to see it as we we have our problems and the other problems are American problems and they're not our problems. And, and like Jerry said, that is 100% false. Thankfully, one of the attitude shifts that I'm seeing over the years and over the decades is is finally the belief that this is doesn't need to be a zero sum game. If If I say that Black Lives Matter that doesn't mean that Asian American problems are less important or don't matter or that problems affecting any other minority group or any other uh, you know, identification don't matter or are somehow less important. This, this is not a zero-sum game where, where we only have to pledge our allegiance to, to, to one cause or, 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 you know, or, or one set of issues or problems. So I think it's, it's a, a change that I've seen happen uh, over the years that I'm very grateful to see. Uh, but one more change that I'm actually very grateful to see also is finally this this breaking down of the idea that that like Jerry said that these 
these problems that affect uh, other communities that you know they don't affect us so, as well. Because for any of us, especially Asians who have dealt with being labeled, you know, pretty much every day of your life, who, who have a set of expectations placed upon you the minute that somebody sees you, to to have that that stress carried with you all through your formative years and, and beyond, and to carry that into your adult life and understand what that does to you, to think that other people don't have those same problems, you know, even if they're different. I mean, that's that's just foolish, right? That's absolutely foolish. So I'm glad to see those issues changing from the young people that I talk to. I'm glad to see attitudes uh, changing very much. And uh, as far as the hurt that I could see from the riots that I think in 92 carried on the furthest, one was definitely the Korean community seeing the black community as being perpetrators or oppressors or looters when we know that that is not entirely true. But when that story is told, and like Jerry said, you're in a very insular community, that's the story you grow up with. And same for the black community, to see the Asians as part of the problem. Like Sarah mentioned, they're, they're the store owners. They're the ones who are eating up all the capital. They're the ones who are using up all the labor. They're the ones who are sucking the life out of our communities when that is not entirely true either. But these narratives get told and they get solidified and they carry down generations and they continue to do damage. And it's just so frustrating to see how long it takes to undo that damage. But I'm very grateful to see with the young people today, college students I talk to, high school students I talk to who, who finally reject that and who finally are, are coming around to the idea that no, this, this, this is not these things that we were told say when we were young or that our parents believe this is not necessarily the truth. We have to look around at the people around us and understand exactly how were we put in the situation? What have we done to change the situation? And what can we do to, to perpetuate change further down the line for the generations to come? So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and we, we still have work to do among our parents' generation though, don't we? Because they have memories of 92 that are holding on and and it's it's harder to dismantle that um, than it is to mold a younger mind. So yeah, we still have we as Asian Americans still have so much work to do among our parents' generation. Absolutely, um, I, I I completely agree. And I, yeah. just one small story I want yeah. to share. I remember my father, you know, being a being an older Korean man at the time in '92. I remember talking to him about the riots and talking about well, black people, and the prevailing attitude amongst Koreans his generation at the time was that it, the black people are the looters and they are the criminals and they're the problem behind all of this. But I remember my father being a bit more progressive and saying it's, it's not them. It's that the screws have been turned on people so tight that this pressure has got to release somewhere. And I think that's what he said. I think that's what we're seeing now. So it's not just about black people. It's about pressure being turned on people so tight that there's nowhere else for it to go. Right, absolutely. And while we're talking about parenting, Jaron, were you going to talk about yeah. being raised? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to add a little diversity to the conversation yeah. too. Um, so there is a growing number of us who are uh, Asian who were adopted by white families. And so I think one of the problems and what well, I say one of the reasons why I wanted to be part of this conversation is to speak to that group of Asians, um, uh, Asian adoptees, uh, you, uh, you know, our proximity to whiteness 
has given us a skewed perspective. Um, we not only a lot of times don't know the legacy and the real history of African-Americans in our country, we don't know the legacy of our own uh, communities either. So a lot of Asian adoptees haven't taken ethnic studies classes. They haven't taken Asian-American studies classes. We don't necessarily know our history. And our, a lot of times our white parents, uh, many of us grew up with conservative, um, uh, very conservative politically um, and religious families who haven't done any of that work either. And, and um, we are considered exceptions partly because we're Asian and because we're not black. So I think that it's something that Asian adoptees really need to reconcile about our own histories and our own ways that we arrived in this country. And we need to be thinking more about how we can uh, be part of breaking down the divisions. Um, you know, when um, you were talking, especially Judd, when you were talking, I was just thinking about how, you know, historically the divisions between black and Asian communities are really about positioning Asians to be in the middle. And it's a device that's being used intentionally to uh, put the thumbs down on other groups. And we're promised this idea that we can be closer to whiteness and have that proximity, but we're not really going to. And I think the, the clear um, recent evidence of this is the coronavirus and how many of us have Absolutely. experienced um, pushback. And we have seen our black brothers and sisters and community supporting us through that. I mean, at the very least, this is, I wish I could be at, on Lake Street right now helping with the cleanup and I can't. This, I feel, this feels like the least that I can do is participate in these conversations and work towards uh, raising money for, for the businesses there. Thank you, Jaron. Yeah, Susan, did you wanna add anything to that? Yeah. Adoptee, or, oh, yeah. well, sure. But I mean, in answer to the question, why am I here? Why yeah. does Black Lives yeah. Matter yeah. to me? Um, because as Martin Luther King Jr. says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are 100%. caught in an inescapable network of mutuality that is tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. And I share that to, you know, to um, echo what um, Jerry, Judd, and Jay Ron have already shared just in terms of how we are all interconnected. But, 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 um, but all, and, and we're interconnected because we are all affected by systemic racism, you know? So the, the, the um, stereotypes that are being perpetuated about Black folks as being criminals, as looters, as being disruptive, as, as um, all these negative things, Asian America, dear Asian America, we have been there. <laughs> you know, the United States has 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 um, depicted Asian Americans as that, as the yellow peril, and mm -hmm. we we saw that right now, like with the COVID nineteen yeah. pandemic. And so, so we are not we're not separate, you know, um, from from what's going on here because the powers that be they can this this is how systemic racism works it is so flexible and depending on the political moment and agenda of the time the powers that be wields wields their power to to um to 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 divide and conquer to make us seem like we're separate that black folks are over here and asian americans are over here we're not we're not, we we're are, not. we are completely yeah. interconnected because yeah. what they do to black folks, they will do to us. 
you know, yeah. and, and we see yeah. that too with, um, so like the Asian and uh, uh, Japanese internment camps, how yeah. they were recycled and repurposed for the detention and, and imprisonment of children, of, you know, undocumented children. So like, I, I, I can't stress enough how how we are we are interconnected and that we are inter we're we're all in um we're all affected by this and, and so, i just want to add that there are black asians too yes. right? right because <laughs> we 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 fall in love we fall in love yes. and there are black asians as well right my daughter so, included yeah. exactly <laughs> so, exactly so, 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 and, and yeah. also the reason why i'm here is because anti-blackness of course, is very rampant in white communities. That's that's like a no-brainer. But anti-blackness is also rampant in Asian American communities. And so that's why I'm here to like, you know, <laughs> put out a a, a, a a call that we have to we we need to um, investigate and examine our own anti-blackness in our community and, and work to decolonize our minds um, around that. And um so yeah, that that's it's I I do not see myself as separate from what's happening to the black community because it's happened to us and it will happen to us if we do not work to demolish systemic racism now. A hundred percent, absolutely. I think we can just stop now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> No, but I mean, really, like everything you said, I completely, completely agree with. And just thinking about like our shared humanity in one sense, right? And also like the root of everything that you listed, the incarceration, the deportation centers and um, and what is happening now, this, you know, 400 year history of like enslavement and the new Jim Crow, everything, everything has roots in white supremacy. And that yeah. is the real enemy, right? Like that yeah. is what we have to dismantle. And yeah. The, as you said, the powers that be are pitting us against each other instead. And it is in the way that these like infiltrators are hijacking the, the peaceful protests, that they're distracting us from doing the work that we need to do to dismantle white supremacy. And they're pitting us against each other instead. And that's why we need to be in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Um, as as, Jud, or as uh, Jerry mentioned, we Asian Americans would not be here if not for the struggles and, and the triumphs of the black communities and generations that have come before us. So we we have we are indebted and we also need to play an active role in reparations, right? Absolutely. This is just a small, small thing that we could do. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, I am seeing a lot of donations come in, like I can't even keep track now of how many. So men's books are gone, but I'm seeing a lot, a lot of emails come in um, for $50. And so, you know, I, I'll keep looking at um, and figure out who these books are going to go to. But please, um, please keep them coming. My husband, Jeff, and I, uh, when we when we talked about, about doing this, we committed that we will match up to $500 of donations as well. And so, yeah, please do keep them coming. Um, yeah, Sujan, I know you... Yeah. I will match up to 300 Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Sujan, you know, Jaron talked a little bit about her upbringing as, as um, a Korean adoptee, and I don't know, did you want to say anything about, you know, we, we talked a little bit too about how being raised in more conservative Korean households shaped our understanding, but if, did you want to share anything about that too? Um, I, I, I guess, you know, like that, that's been my entire adult life. Um, I grew yeah. up in a family where they were diehard Reaganites. 
And I grew up in a family where, you know, my my adoptive mother told me before I went to college, her last parting words to me was, do not marry a black man. Do not date a black man. Um, so <laughs> so this is so this is I have spent my entire adult life undoing the racism that was yeah. like taught in me that 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 was you know preached and lectured um in, in me yeah. from my family and, and um yeah yeah, yeah Ron as well no i'm saying it's been a lifetime i mean yeah. I'm, 50, I'm 51 years old i've spent my entire adult life trying to unlearn yeah, yeah. And, and we will keep doing that we, and we will, we will yes. spend the rest of our lives the on learning our, racism exactly yeah. exactly yeah because yeah. it's the air that we breathe folks it's everywhere you know and so if if, yeah. if we so yeah we we have to do that internal work it's difficult it's painful and you know i've lost not only friends but i've lost my family family like i'm not in i am not in contact with my adoptive parents because of this. Um, so, you know, and yeah, so like, like there, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of trauma around all this, not only, you know, being, um, <laughs> being taught racism, but having to unlearn racism, there's also a cost to that as well. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to say, and I'm sure you know, Jaron and you know the, the other folks here um, would probably like agree. It's worth it. <laughs> the sacrifice, yeah. the losses that yeah. you need to make in order to undo your yeah. own anti-blackness, to undo your own racism, it is absolutely worth it. Because what it does is it restores your own humanity. And, and I, and I also just want to say. Um, don't put that burden on our black community to teach us. We need to do this work yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And so if there are questions that you have, if, if you are an Asian, if you're an Asian adoptee and you want to know like how to get started, contact me and we can start talking about how we can start doing that together. But, you know, the community is not here. The black community is not here to teach us. We have to do this work ourselves. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Go ahead, so I've got a question for Min that I, I'm yeah. as a parent myself. Mm -hmm. um, Min, you, Min, you write children's books. Um, mm -hmm. You have developed a skill and an experience of um, distilling ideas that are complex but necessary yeah. for children to learn and to know. Mm -hmm. um, how do we talk about this with our Asian children and our Asian children? That's a that's a great question. That's actually a conversation my wife and I had just this morning with our boy, because um, we live in we just moved to La Mesa, California, um, and there were buildings burning down last night, helicopters overhead. We wanted to talk to our kids. Um, I think something to think about when you're talking with kids is that I think a lot of times people have an instinct of like almost like dumbing down language, but that's not the case because it's like you said. I like the word you use. It's like you're distilling the message. You're distilling, getting to the essence of what the the issues are. And I think that's a really important thing to do for, for anyone. And I think kids very naturally have a very clear sense of right and wrong and like justice, especially. And when you talk about some of the underlying factors and some of the context, my wife and I were worried that it was getting too complex and too nuanced, but my, both my boys just like right away, they got it. Like this is, this is unjust. This is why would, why would the black community need to affirm their own humanity? Why, who would push back against the simple statement that black mm -hmm. lives Right. And it's like they they get it. And I, you, for me, I get a lot of hope going to schools and talking to kids. And you get that that next generation. If you can establish a different baseline 
and the foundation of knowledge that they're working with, the future looks a lot brighter than what we're dealing with right now. Um, but I think you're, it's exactly right. It's a, it's a difficult conversation to have, but um, an important one to start early. And there are a lot of resources out there. Um, there's this one book I have right here um, called This Book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell which is a really great resource because she kind of does that, like what I said, like distilling and breaking down these concepts of like what is racism, what is anti-racism, what is prejudice, how does systemic racism work in a way that is accessible to kids um, and is a, a way to spur those conversations. And I mean, it's like, it's never, I kind of feel like you might have to figure out the right way to approach it, but it's never too soon, um, but it can never be too late. Or not too late, but you know, it's like it's there's a lot of ground to make up. So I appreciate you asking that question. I wish I had a more concrete and clear answer for you, but um, but it's but I appreciate that you're you're putting that out there. But I would Thank say, you so like, don't, like, don't there's no need to underestimate our our kids when we're having that conversation because they they will often get to the truth sooner than than I can get there. So there's a myth that kids don't understand. And that you should wait until they're ready, but you can't wait until they're ready. You need to start from the minute they're born, having these conversations with them, really. I mean, it's it's really important. Because if you don't, they pick up yeah. on other things. That's right. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. Like, it's they in the way we breathe. It's in the, it's like yeah. in the, the space they inhabit. And if you are silent on it, then they're going to get the message somehow, some way. Um, and you want to make sure that it's not from the wrong places. Right. Um, right. And, and it's... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was thinking, like, because when, I mean, as you know, we talked about before about, like, the media and, unfortunately, a lot of the political leaders, when there's all that dehumanizing rhetoric coming from all sides, it's, like, it's important for us to, like, push back against that with our kids so that that's not the only thing that they're ingesting, right? They can't help but hear the way people talk about um, right. about the Black community and, and other communities, and it's, like, it's, it's, it's our job to, to balance that out and, and push back. Um, and I, I struggle, like when we talk about like, what we're, why we're here, I struggle with in times like this, and as I say times like this, but it repeats so often with the, the next horrific thing that comes up, um, not knowing how to engage with the issues without censoring yourself, right? It's like, how do you be vocal on an issue without making it about your voice, right? It's a, it's a strange thing to try to figure out. Um, and, but... I think Jaron was talking about the model minority myth. You get to a point where you're like being silent on it is reinforcing that that model minority myth of like, oh, they're not making a mess, they're not causing a, a ruckus. Um, they're why can't you be more like that community? And it's such an insidious way of hitting each uh, one community against the other. Um, I don't know the right answer, like the proper way for, but like I do think it's important to to be here and figure it out and do the do the work of struggling with that discomfort. Um, but I appreciate you all trying to help me make sense of this. And, and that yeah. model minority myth erases the long history of political activism among right. Asian Americans and then right. creating coalitions with yeah. Black folks and mm -hmm. brown folks right. and indigenous mm -hmm. folks. Right. So like this is not a new thing for Asian America, right? Like our political mm -hmm. activism and, and, and moving towards justice. Um, it's not new, and yet, but the model minority works to 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 um, to uh, uh, to um, hide that. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Right. And if we if we make it sound new, right, if we are silent about talking about race with our young people, they will not be they will not know our history. They will not know our shared history and they will not be equipped to be allies. Right. They will not be equipped to, to work in partnership with these movements. And so, yeah, I think it's really important. And as Jaron was saying and then was saying too, like they they know they understand at a young age, they have such a keen sense of justice and injustice. Just think about it's not fair. Right. Mm -hmm. They know. They know. Um, we don't have that much time left, um, but we we wanted just to, to do a couple more things. We wanted to talk again about Lake Street um, and Min was supposed to be here earlier this month. I would have taken you out to eat on Lake Street <laughs> if you were here. So many um, good <laughs> So many. Yeah. And, and not to talk about it only as a site of consumption. Um, and capitalism, but you know that is the 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 livelihood of so many people. And so, if you wanted to share anything about Lake Street, and then we also have a video from Ellen O, who's a good friend of Min and me. Um, she's a co-founder of We Need Diverse Books, which is just this movement, this like this revolution of trying to get more diverse books into schools, libraries, and kids' hands. That we also want to share before we wrap wrap up tonight. So. Yeah, could we maybe have like Jaron and Sujin talk a little bit about Lake Street and then Min and Judd, if you wanna share any other last thoughts and then we'll run the video. Sure. Go ahead, um, Okay, okay, um, <laughs> I just, just to say um, there are so many, um, um, mm -hmm. um, so many of the organizations and the businesses and the services that make up the heart of Lake, Lake Street area are run by people of color and indigenous people. So um, it really is just a, it's a community space. It's a, a it's um, it's it, Lake Street is just the heart of that. Um, and Lake Street is also has undergone some attempts to be gentrified. And so I think that already there were there were kind of these movements where people of color were being pushed out of that community. Mm -hmm. So I know that it's a strong community. It's a resilient community. They're going to rebuild. Um, I think I would hope that it's not just going to be rebuilt with new condos and where folks of color are going to get pushed out. So anything that we can do to help support the um, business owners there that are from these uh, communities of color. Um, I'm hoping that this money that we're donating will will really help towards those efforts. Um, and the only thing, because of time, the only thing I'll just share is Lake Street is where people of color, indigenous folks, go to feel like home. Like not only like not not only is it a place where we live and we we call home, but when our friends come and visit, they we we take them to certain areas and they're like. Gosh, this feels like home. The people look like me. They're speaking the same language. They're eating the same food. I'm smelling the same smells. This feels like home. So for please donate generously because this too is your home, Lake Street. It represents that. Thank you. Yeah. Minarja, do you have anything to add? Um I'll just close it. Thank you again for, for inviting us and like um, pulling this conversation together. Um, whenever we have conversations like this, I'm kind of like, I wish I had an answer and I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like these conversations are an important part of getting to the answer, whatever that is. So, um, so thank you for making sure that we as a community are there for in support of Black Lives Matter and everything that's going on right now. And um, yeah, thank you. Let's, let's keep it up.
thanks for being here. I would definitely echo that. Thanks uh, for putting this all together. And I would encourage anyone in the Asian American community, especially all of you who are tired of being labeled as, as a perpetual foreigner or constantly being asked, do you speak English? Who, who have to be constantly you know, asked, where are you from? Mm. If, all of you who are tired of that, let, let's all realize that the problems that we face, th these are not our problems alone. That when we look at the problems affecting whether it's black people or brown people or, or any other group that's being oppressed, we, these, these are shared problems that, that we need to come together and fight. This, this is not any one group's game. This is not a zero sum game. So let's you know, put these walls down and put these divisions down and instead say, you know, we, we need to fight back against systemic racism together and not, not attack each other at the same time. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Jerry, is the video ready? Yeah, let's uh it. Hi, my name is Ellen O. I am a children's book author and one of the co-founders of We Need Diverse Books, an organization dedicated to bringing diversity to the children's literature industry. I am here today to speak directly to my Asian American community members and ask them to please join together and support Black Lives Matters. Right now, this is a matter of life and death for the Black community, and we as non-Black people of color must do all we can to help them. Now is the time to do what we can actively, not passively, loudly, not silently, because we cannot condone what is going on with our silence. We cannot turn away from what we can see. Asians know racism. Yeah, we do, but it is not the same. And if we believe that we must fight racism, the first step must be to help support our black brothers and sisters, especially now in, this in their time of need. We have to help dismantle systemic racism. Otherwise, none of us are safe. Never think that this is not our issue. This is absolutely our issue. Fighting white supremacy and the continued oppression of the black community to help them get to help them be safe, this is all of our issue. If we want a chance at a better future, we must support, we must support Black Lives Matters. So please, right now this fight is going on in cities all over the place. Protest however you can. Donate. Donate to We Love Lake Street right now. Um, be be a part of this fight for justice and for what is right. Don't be silent because silence right now is dangerous. Silence means that you don't care. If you care about the future, you must support Black Lives Matters. You must support this fight. Thank you. Um, I wanna publicly thank Ellen um, for sending the video. Um, she is the co-founder of We Need Diverse Books. And if there was ever a time, um, you know, Sarah, you and I have talked endlessly about the need for children to read books with children that look just like us. And I will add to that point and to say that that's not enough. We need our children yeah. to read books that look like all of us. Because, right, right. Yes. yes, we are trying to dismantle systemic racism, but we also don't want to create accidentally a different form of superiority within our children by only things about us, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. look, this is been an amazing time. Yeah. Um, if you're thinking about ways that you can get involved, number one, fill out your damn census. It's uh, it's <laughs> census time. 
And due to COVID, they've extended the deadline all the way to October. Um, more importantly than you filling it out, get your parents to fill it out. You can fill, do it in a number of different languages. Um, we're lucky enough to be an official partner of the census here at the Asian Americans, and we want to get the word out. Um, so please do that, because if you're sick of not having enough resources in your community, not enough police resources, not enough money for schools, libraries, all sorts of things that cause and perpetuate the systemic racism that we are so desperately trying to fight, it starts with money. Our government's weird. They, This is the only way they can divvy up resources every 10, 20 years. So fill out your census. Um, I am really, really blown away by the participation on this webinar that we just put together. Um, in the day, uh, judging by the names that are in the chat box, we know we have a diversity of human beings that care about this effort. Um, thank you so much to Sarah for suggesting the idea. Uh, we said go. You pulled in your friends. Um, just loose count in my head. We're north of $3,000 going to Lake Street. Um, and, and so thank you, everybody um, on the cast listening to us. And if I may say something about our own communities, um, if, even in the time since Sarah and I talked, um, LA has changed drastically. And I've been getting questions and comments from friends about what are you doing about LA? What are you doing about Koreatown? And look, this isn't, somebody said this earlier, this isn't either or. Either or is what they want us to do right now. This is about all of us. And it starts in Minneapolis because that's where the murder happened. Starts with Black Lives Matter because a black man is murdered in broad daylight. Think about the fact that the cop looked into the camera as he was doing it. This is a big problem. It is spreading across the country. Do not confuse the protesters that are peaceful with the looters. Um, if you have a small business, please be safe out there tonight. Um, we can rebuild businesses. We cannot get lives back. Um, yes. and, and so... And, and a word to our friends in the police force, in the fire departments out there, um, in city government, working tirelessly in the midst of COVID to make sure that things are under control. Thank you. Um, we can be supportive of our police. We can expect greatness and professionalism from them and still demand that things be done with justice in mind. So um, I hope this is not, this is definitely not, we can't talk about all this in an hour with six people. We get that. Uh, but we hope to have done is to inspire or to spark more conversation. Um, please reach out um, if you want to talk more uh, to all the guests on the stage today and for anybody listening. Um, if you want to come on the podcast and talk about Asian American stuff, always more than welcome to. Um, reach out to the panelists here. Um, they're hu wonderful human beings. And thank you. Thank you to um, everybody listening. I think at its peak, we hit 125 people, which is, uh, I came in here with zero expectations. Um, <laughs> and really seeing the diversity of friends and backgrounds and uh, names and, and who've been um, just so ever grateful. So um, fight the good fight. Um, we're wrapping up Asian Pacific American Heritage Month um, with a lot of time to reflect on what it means to be Asian American in this country. And wherever if you immigrated here yesterday if you were born here if you're eighth generation whatever um we need to do what's right at our core when we strip all of our identities which is that we are human beings and that we need to do what's right for our fellow human beings so black lives matter um all we have and always will and we will do whatever we can for as long as we need to to make sure that our friend 
can walk around the streets in this great country without worrying about a damn thing. And they don't need to have conversations with their children either. So thank you so much. Please stay in touch. Thank you to our panel. And uh, please be well. Please be safe. And don't forget to smile and take care of yourself. Yeah, thanks thank so much. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on Sunday for this conversation. Um, as you heard on the show itself, um, everything came together in a matter of about 30 hours. So big, big thanks to my friend and my mentor, Sarah Park Dolan, uh, for putting everybody together. And thank you again to the guests for coming on on such short notice and sharing your story. If you can, please give to welovelakestreet.com or find many, many other great organizations right now who need your help, who need our help to rebuild communities that have been hurt, both economically and emotionally, and for us to make sure that we fight the fight that we need to, to make sure that police brutality stops, that racial injustices stop, and that systemic racism, racism is something that we might only be able to read in history books. Please share this episode out with a friend or two if you found it resonant with you. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. Shoot me a note into the the Asian Americans inbox if you do have any questions or thoughts or just want to talk. Thank you so much. Starting this show three months ago now, did not think that we would be having these conversations, but glad to use the platform that we've built for good to stand with our brothers and sisters and to share the messages that we need to hear, that we want to hear, that we should hear. So Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening and being a fan of the Asian Americans. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay vigilant. Don't forget to smile this week. This has been your host, Jerry Wan. Thank you for listening to the Asian Americans. <laughs>